conditioning's on in here. And uh, I'm seeing somebody who I haven't seen in 21 years. Hi. Come here. This is Allison. Hi, Allison. Allison's the daughter of Ed Tafalowski, who uh, is retired now, but still in Littleton, Colorado. And uh, the last time I saw her, she was pushing me around in a wheelchair. You remember that? I had dislocated my ankle out there. So at one point, I turned around to her and I said, does this make you a dope pusher? <laughs> and she smacked me on the head. I saw, but she, she's one of the, the greatest young women I've ever met, and uh, glad you came back to New Jersey. Uh, you, got, you have to see what you're missing, right? Yeah. <laughs> How, mom and dad good? Good. Good. Tell, tell, them, tell them they owe us a visit, and uh, I'll, give them, I'll give them the pulpit any time. All right? It's good to see you, Allison. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Uh, let me uh, give you some updates. Uh, the money for sight and sounds due today. So see Janine. Uh, and um, if, you, if you have any you know, money for her to reserve tickets, uh, just let her know. Uh, the, the cost could adjust depending on how many go. So uh, you need to know that. Uh, also, the summer lunch program is, is going well. There's another delivery coming up this Saturday, correct? Uh, I'm assuming you, you still need drivers, all right? So any drivers and helpers that can help, that would be great. Um, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's well, it's well worth it. Also, um, this Saturday, 6 p.m., we're doing an ice cream social here. Uh, so come and uh, make sure you eat dinner before you come. And you'll have dessert. How's that? So six. I'm sorry. All right. Sign up on the board. So. Yes. Yeah, no. We knew a great man, Mary Lou and I, and um, uh, he had some major health issues. So we go visit him in the hospital. We help feed him, and uh, we would say to him, "What would you like first? He said, "Dessert," all the time. And I, and I said, his name was Al. I said, Al, why do you want dessert first? He says, I don't know how long I'm going to be around. <laughs> so he decided to, to go with dessert. So we, that's what we did. Um, ice cream, a leadership meeting. We got a meeting a week from tomorrow, uh, 6.30 a.m. A.m., sure. 6.30 p.m. here at the church. And um, I think that's, that's all the announcements I have. Did I forget anything? What are we doing on Tuesday? <laughs> Cover your microphone. Men, you're going to meet on Amen. 7 o'clock on Tuesday. Uh, we can continue to look at the theology of heaven, which has been a great study. Uh, also, uh, Lord willing, we'll have a normal prayer meeting, 10 o'clock Tuesday morning. And uh, uh, provided we don't get any tornadoes. Um, that's what they're that's the news this morning tornadoes but um, in New Jersey they stay away from New Jersey you say they don't they don't like New Jersey uh, except for cream Ridge. except for cream Ridge I know uh, so normal schedule roundtable 1215 on Wednesday up at Tom's River Community Church uh, taking a uh, another look at the incident with Cain and Abel and the, the offerings uh, if you can come to that, it's it's just a great time. I think that's all I have, right? Yeah, so I'm good to go. Okay, good to go. Let me. Uh, pray for Melissa. Uh, yeah, I'll do that before we go live. How's that? Um, Melissa uh, seems to have developed a blood clot in her right arm. Uh, she's in a, a lot of pain. Uh, the arm is cold, which means it's probably a circulation problem. So she's um, in the, uh, on her way to the hospital uh, right now. So uh, why don't we just take a moment and pray, okay? Father, we do uh, ask 
and intervene for Melissa. Father, these things can be painful and they can be worrisome. We ask that you give uh, uh, those treating her uh, just great insight and discernment to know exactly what to do to help her, to alleviate the pain and, and alleviate the blood clot. We pray that you restore the circulation to the arm, Father, that uh, there would be no damage. Um, comfort Joey while he's there with her. May the doctors take all the right steps in getting her well. But Father, we, we commit her to you because Jesus is the great physician. And so, Father, uh, we pray that your Holy Spirit would superintend this whole, this, this whole incident. And so, Father, uh, we will give you glory for the answers to prayer. Uh, be with Melissa, comfort her, put her at ease, and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, uh, I'm going to call up Kristen again. This time we're going to put her to work. All right. Um, doing um, preaching from the Gospel of John is it's actually a privilege. It is difficult because uh, if you if you read the Gospel of John, you would swear John went to seminary, and and in some sense he he did. Um, he was with Jesus for three and a half years. That's a pretty good education. Uh, probably the best. Uh, but as we look at uh, John and we, we um, continue, uh, in John chapter 8, at the end of chapter 8, uh, the Pharisees are still debating with Jesus. They're trying, to, they're trying to kill him. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They're trying to kill him. They're trying to get him to mess up, if I can put it that way, so they can charge him with something and get him out of the way. That's what happens many times when people uh, when people are exposed to the truth if the truth uh, if they don't like the truth well you get rid of who's saying it correct and um, unfortunately this church is like that too but as we as we look at it today Jesus makes some uh, some great proclamations about himself uh, which has bearing on our lives today and he also exposes the hypocrisy and the damage that religious legalism can do. So uh, with that, uh, Jesus is going to be the centerpiece. He always has to be the centerpiece. Uh, it's not me. It's not anybody else. It's Jesus. And we are going to worship him, worship his majesty, worship and give thanks for what he did for us on the cross. So... Uh, are you in good voice? All right. Allison, do you sing? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I was going to put her to work, but... No, yeah, no problem, no problem. So if you're able to, would you stand? Would you just give God the glory? So God is definitely good. this thing on? Here we go. In our earthly timeline, hi electric family. So in our earthly timeline, Christ's life here on earth was not the first time God walked on his creation. <clears throat> there are plenty of times written in the Bible when he actually strode with his chosen whether to teach, to command, or to save. God's appearing to Moses was one such event. The burning bush hid God's countenance so Moses could survive the meeting. Even so, Moses was transformed forever, forever transformed. Christ walks with us even today. I personally have plenty of unexplained circumstances that saved me from dire consequences, helped me when I didn't deserve it, and put me into situations that have changed my life. Do I have proof that I've been touched by God? Nothing tangible. Nothing that I can point at except for the fact that, uh, well, I'm here. I am alive and blessed more 
far more than I should be. I've done everything I could to ensure that I died an early death. I've hurt other people. I've blasphemed. I've walked in the shadow for long periods of time. Drugs, debauchery, you name it, I did it. Most of all, pride has injured my soul in the worst ways. But Jesus stayed with me. The Lord has helped me get to where I am today, to be a witness to his power and goodness. I have been blessed beyond measure when I should have been dashed on the stones of despair. I am not worthy, but God thinks otherwise, and I lift his most holy name in praise and worship. I am so glad he's in my life. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. cross to the grave from the grave to the sky lord i lift your name on high lord i lift your name on high lord i love to sing your praises i'm so glad you're in my life i'm so glad you came to save us you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross my debt to pay from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky lord i lift your name on high you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross cross to the grave from the grave to the sky lord i lift your name on high i think i haven't sung that song in twenty thousand times or so huh two two hundred years i'm not that old So glorify his name in all you do, all you think, all of your days. Jesus gave us his life to show how much he loves us, and he deserves all of our praise. He is the majesty, the ruler of all, the king. So let us throw the crown of our pride at his feet and honor him forever. Ephesians says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask of or imagine, According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Majesty. Worship his majesty unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority flow from his throne unto his own. His anthem raise, so exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify Christ Jesus the King. Majesty. Worship his majesty. 
majesty Jesus who died now glorified King of all kings so exalt lift up on high the name of Jesus magnify come glorify Christ Jesus the Worship His Majesty, Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. John 10 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this flock, not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This is the command I received from my father. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's also the lamb of God. Jesus came to voluntarily lay down his life to save his flock and then rose after, the, after opening the gates of heaven to show us proof that he is God. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Good Shepherd. Worthy is our Lord and Savior. Won't you help us sing his praises? Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced Wash me in your cleansing flow, now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. 
and sisters, a responsive reading. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have been sent to you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Amen. So from the uh, uh, NIV Grace and Truth Study Bible, identifying himself as the God of Moses' ancestors, the Lord reveals his deep concern for the Israelites. He will rescue them and bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. The Hebrew word often translated honey, debesh, debesh. I actually did some research so he couldn't correct me on pronunciation this, this week. Can also denote the sweet syrup that comes from fruit such as dates and figs. God will bring Israelites from Egypt into a fertile and prosperous region. Recalling his past experiences in Egypt, <clears throat> Moses questions his suitability for the task, and reassuringly, God promises to be with Moses. In the future, Moses and the Israelites will worship God at this mountain location. Concerned that the Israelites will not believe that the God of their fathers has commissioned him to lead them out of Egypt, Moses asked God for something to validate his claim and that God spoke with him. Since divine names conveyed something of a deity's nature, Moses possibly hopes that God will reveal a new name to him. In Genesis, God is known as God Most High, the God who sees me, God Almighty and Eternal God. God's reply is a verbal form that will be translated I will be, or I am. The form is related to the divine name Yahweh. He is. While God appro appropriately refers to himself using I am, and other people will say he is, later, to avoid using God's name inappropriately, jo Jews pronounced Yahweh as Adonai, the Hebrew word meaning Lord. Even, even have the Jewish spelling. <laughs> I'm going to make him a Hebrew scholar yet, right? Great passage. <clears throat> the, the fact of the matter is you're here today because of 
I am. All right. And I think we lose the majesty of that uh, somehow as, you know, we, we take for granted a lot of what we hear in the scriptures. Um, as we continue to worship, uh, I'm going to ask uh, uh, those who are helping with the offering if you would come forward. And uh, before we take the offering, uh, would you permit me to pray? Let's pray. Father, uh, it is a privilege to give. It is a privilege to give to the work of the kingdom. I pray, Father, that for those who give, uh, it will be, it will be uh, an uh, act of love voluntarily. And not only that, Father, that it will uh, be blessed as you bless both the gift and the giver. Father, um, I pray for our nation. Um, so much violence going on, so much uh, uh, just anger and stress. Father, our nation needs to come back to you. Our nation needs a spiritual awakening. And the churches need revival. So, Father, I pray for that today. Bless the offering, Father. Bless the giver. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, last week uh, in John chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be up on the screen. And I know some of you use your phones, and, and that's fine, too. Uh, we talked about some of the consequences of original sin. And original sin is that sin nature you and I inherit from Adam and Eve, right, in the garden. And, uh, and it's interesting in the theological roundtable, we like to place blame and, you know, a little debate broke out uh, about, you know, who's responsible. Well, wasn't Eve the one really responsible because she took the bite of the fruit? And, you know, and, you know she gave to Adam. So wasn't really she? No, they're both responsible. They're both responsible, okay? We, you know, we can get into these arguments, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that they thought that they, were, they knew better than God. Isn't that the doubt that the serpent planted in the mind of Eve? Does God really mean what he says? Huh. Well, we need to ask that question in this day and age. Does God really mean what he says? And part of the problem, you know, even in our culture, is that our culture has... Um, redefined what truth is, has redefined what sin is, if it knows anything about sin at all, uh, has redefined what, um, what the Bible is. Uh, Mary Lou downloaded an article for me uh, last week that, you know the group PETA, right? Uh, they're using artificial intelligence to rewrite Genesis. And um, especially, you know, the creation account. So now, instead of calling the creatures creatures, they want to call them beings. You know? So, um, you know, and then an Anglican bishop uh, who has had some authority in the church uh, came to the conclusion that uh, the model, uh, model prayer, our father, could be an offense to other people. We shouldn't use the word father because some people had not so pleasant experiences with father. 
Well, you know, our Father in Heaven is perfect. Earthly fathers aren't. That's part of the sin nature. And that's not to excuse bad acts. That is to say that the, our Father in Heaven is good. If we, if we can't even agree that He's good, we got a serious problem. We got a real serious problem. So I'm going to run a, a series of scenarios by you before we get into this passage. And the reason why I'm doing this is because um, I'm going to tell you, uh, pastoring uh, in the 22nd, no, 23rd, 24th century? 23rd century. 21st. 21st. Wherever we are. is harder these days than it's ever been before. Simply because we have relegated uh, the Bible as an ancient document that has no application anymore, uh, or we think that religion is just a crutch for weak people, and we have no moral compass anymore to really decide what is right and what is wrong. So, I wrote these down. Let me run these by you. If the internet says it, it must be true. Not. If the view, CNN, Fox, and Hollywood, and the politicians say it's true, it must be true. No. It must be true if they say the Bible is antiquated and full of errors. Uh, no. It must be true if they say Jesus was just a good man. Well, no, that can't be true either because good men don't lie. And, you know, Jesus said he is the light of the world, the Messiah. And in, if we don't uh, acknowledge that, then we make him a liar. If the professors and teachers say there is no absolute truth, that must be true. Well, if there's no absolute truth, then why believe them? If religious leaders claim to be the final authority rather than the Bible, they must be telling the truth. No. And sometimes we let traditions and trends become the final authority in the church. And that's when churches get in trouble. Because the final authority in every church should be the Word of God. And could only be the Word of God. Anything I say, you need to test by the Word of God. Paul said that to the Berean Christians. He said, listen, anything you hear from me or anybody else, test it by the Word. Because the Word is truth. And so we, we get ourselves into... Um, this mess, but here's what I found over my years, and it's nothing new. This has been done uh, in Nazi Germany. This has been done in fascist Italy. This has been done in the Greek civilization and the Roman civilization. There's nothing new here. If you tell people a lie long enough, they will believe it. They will believe it. Especially if the Bible has no relevance in, in their minds or in their lives or in their worldview, then there's nothing to test what they are claiming to be true. This is what the Pharisees were trying to do. Isn't it ironic that the, the religious leaders, the PhDs in, in religion, were propagating a power system a legalistic system that puts so much burden on people there was no way they can stand up on, under it. And not only that, the hypocrisy of it all, because they couldn't even live up to their own rules. But they would make people feel guilty. They would make people, uh, how can I say this? They would say to people, look at me. Look at me. You got to be like me. Listen, I, all of you, I don't, you don't need to be like me. Our commission is to be like Jesus. And so 
we have this cultural thing going on. And remember, uh, just to recap a little bit, in, in uh, uh, systems uh, theory, uh, a dysfunctional uh, system, uh, which the Pharisees were a dysfunctional system, um, it will do anything it can to keep the system the same because if anything changes, it's a threat to their power, it's a threat to their uh, uh, dignity, their, their pride, and they didn't want that. And the only way a dysfunctional system can change is when someone with the truth comes in. Enter Jesus. Enter Jesus. So let's pick this up. This is kind of the end of three debates that Jesus had at the temple, right? And, and the Jews answered him, in this case, uh, mostly the Pharisees, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan, and Samaritan meaning half Jew, half, half Gentile, and, and Samaritans were like the low caste of the society, uh, and demon-possessed. Can you imagine that? You know, you're not really a Jew, Jesus. You're a Samaritan, and you're a mixed breed. And worse than that, you're demon-possessed. Oh. They indicted Jesus without any facts. They wanted to condemn this man and not only indict him, but damage his character. A lot of people are listening to this. See this man? It's a half-breed. And he's got a demon inside of him. I want you to notice as Jesus responds, he always responds with the truth. Um, by saying he had a demon in, in him, that means that Satan was his ruler. Wow, this comes awfully close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which is an unpardonable sin. Jesus responds with the truth. Here, look at the truth. He doesn't address the Samaritan issue because that's nonsense. Both his mom and dad, uh, or stepdad, were Jews, and he was born a Jew, right? He says, I am not possessed by a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Wow. To dishonor Jesus is to dishonor the Father. Why is that? Because Jesus is fully God and fully man. And to, dishonest, uh, to dishonor Jesus is to dishonor the Father. In the Trinity, three and one, God sent his son, and he sent his son into this sinful, wicked world to redeem sinful, wicked people with the invitation of grace to receive him as their Messiah, their Lord, and their Savior. And he didn't come to, to bring honor to himself. He came to bring honor to the Father. And Jesus was making the point here, I'm not self-seeking here. I'm not here to glorify myself. And he could have easily turned the tables and said to the Pharisees, you're here for the glory of man. You want the accolades of men. You, want the ac you don't give a rip about the Father. And then he goes on to say, the one who seeks it is the Father. The Father glorifies the Son. And he is the final judge. Wow. This gets a little bit more intense. I want you to pick up on this, right? Jesus says, very truly, I tell you. Remember, when you look at the word very truly, some translations have truly, truly. Some translations have amen and amen. Um, could be translated a number of different ways from the original language. But the reason why it's put this way is because this is the, this is the truth. 
this is the truth with a capital T. And he says, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. He was talking about what? Putting your trust in him as your Lord and Savior and entering into eternal life now and then when he calls us home. But look how the Pharisees uh, twist this. At this they exclaimed, they were angry. Now we know that you are demon possessed. Can you imagine that? He's, Jesus is there. He's offering them salvation. And they're saying, now we know you're demon possessed. Abraham died. So did the prophets. And they're thinking, what Jesus is telling people is that if, if they believe what Jesus is saying from the Father, they won't experience physical death. That's what they're thinking here. Uh, of course, they worshiped Abraham and Moses, and they used Abraham as the example. Abraham died, so did the prophets. Well, yeah, Abraham died, but that's not because he was a, a sinner. He died really in Christ. You're going to find out at the end of this passage that that's true. But you know who killed the prophets? <laughs> the people. You remember what I said? You introduce truth into a dysfunctional system and someone's going to get rid of you because they don't want to hear it. Yet you say, Jesus, that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. And they couldn't even get beyond themselves here. This, this is incredible. They should know better. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, so did the prophets. And look at this question. Can you imagine this? Jesus, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? That must have been a slap in the face to Jesus. Who do you think you are? Well, I'm going to ask something that may get me in trouble, but I have to ask it. Is it a fair statement to say that whenever we go against God's word, without saying these words, this is actually what we're, we are doing. We're saying to Jesus, who do you think you are to tell me what to do? Who do you think you are? Jesus, who, who do you think you are to tell me what to do with my body? Sound familiar? Jesus, who do you think, who do you, think you are to tell me what to do in my relationships? Jesus, who do, you, who do you think you are to tell me how to conduct my business? Well, Jesus, who do you think you are to tell me that I should love my wife just as Jesus loved the church. Who do you think you are? Now listen, we, we may not say that out loud, but sometimes when we uh, want what we want without regard for the word of God, this is what we're saying. Jesus, you have no right to tell me what to do with my money. Listen, if, you're, if you are a believer, it's his money. If you're a believer and you have a car, it's his car. We lose sight of that. That what we have, he gives to us as a blessing to enjoy and to glorify him. It's funny, uh, when uh, Joey did a couple of the Dave Ramsey courses, and uh, I did a couple some years back, there's a, there's a part in the, uh, the course, I don't even know if they do this anymore, where they ask people to take a scissors and rip up their credit cards. Right? You might as well ask them for their phones also. I've never seen people panic in my life like that. What do you mean take my credit card? Well, listen, if you owe 10, 20,000 on a credit card, I mean, that's bad news. And the banks don't pay, don't care if you pay anything but the minimum payment. 
because they'll make money on you. With the interest rates today, by the way, $20,000 would take about 25 years to pay off at minimum payment. And most, most charge cards are charging 25 to 30% interest. They love you. What do you mean cut up my credit card? Who's Jesus to tell me what to do? Well, no, this is good stewardship of, of finances. One of, the, one of the blessings of growing up without money uh, was, first of all, my father especially uh, instilled in me a, um, a good work ethic. You know, he says, look, you go out, I don't care who you work for, as long as it's honest work, and give them an honest day's work because they're paying you. Get there early, make sure you're ready to work, and, and earn your money, and when you come home at night, you can put your, your, your head on the pillow. Well, that was good advice. And then if we, we wanted anything, we had to save our money before we bought it. And if we couldn't save our money, well then, guess what? We did without it. A lot of the, the health and wealth preachers that you see will tell you that, you know, um, give to God, he'll give you back, you know, more. Listen, that, that's, if he blesses you that way, that's fine. However, there's no guarantee of that. All I know is that God says that I'm to give to his work as an act of worship. And it seems to me the Bible teaches that we ought to start with a tithe, which is 10%. Whether God gives me anything back, that's not in my business. I need to be obedient with the resources he gives to me. Without expecting anything in return. And I'm not saying he hasn't given me any blessings. I'm just saying I leave that with him. I don't give to get. You follow? Jesus, who do you think you are to tell me what to do? There's just too much of this going on, even in the church. And, you know, we, we see the ramifications of, of, of this all. Look how Jesus responds here. Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were trying to glorify themselves. Look at me. Remember the parable of the Pharisee and, and the tax collector? The tax collector on his knees, praying, crying out to God for mercy. Couldn't even look up to the heavens because he was confessing his sin. And the Pharisee standing there looking down at the uh, tax collector saying, Lord, I'm glad I'm not that guy. And Jesus says, again, to the Pharisees, who do you think is justified? I tell you that that tax gatherer will walk away being justified. In other words, being right with God. My father who you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Look how Jesus develops this. He should have been an attorney. Yeah. Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, let's go to the next verse. I did that already. Though you do not know him, I know him, Jesus says. Of course Jesus knows him. He sat at his right hand. Father knows the son, the son knows the father, right? If I said I did not, I would be a liar, Jesus says. But I do know him and obey his word. You see, there's a link between knowing God intimately and obedience. We always talk about knowing God, but see, in our, in, in our culture for a long time, that's always been a head knowledge. And that's not what's in view here. The word that's used here, by the way, is to know intimately like a husband knows a wife and a wife knows a husband. See, I know him and I obey his word. Obedience and intimate knowledge 
are always related. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day, Jesus says. He saw it and was glad. There's some theologians that scratched their head over this statement. I mean, it can go several uh, different ways. But here's what I know from Scripture. Abraham was justified, in other words, made right before God because he trusted God and took him at his word and was obedient. Isn't that true? And by that faith, he was reconciled to God. And not only that, by that faith, he looked ahead to the day the Messiah would come. At least in the bare minimum, I believe that's what this says. Now, I, I haven't done the chronology on this. It's been a busy week. But do you remember when Jesus and John, uh, John, James, and Peter went up to the mount and the transfiguration happened? Who was there with Jesus? Do you remember? Abraham and Elijah. Could this be referring to that? Maybe. But they talked, and I believe they were talking at that point about the crucifixion, kind of encouraging Jesus. Hey, this is what you're going to face. But this is the price of redemption. Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing Jesus' day. He saw it, and he was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Pharisees say. See how they're thinking? How could you have known Abraham? He'd lived hundreds of years ago. You're not yet 50. See, Jesus, you're lying. And you have seen Abraham. I mean, you see how we can twist things to make them say what we want to say? Jesus, you're lying. You're not telling us the truth. This is impossible. And then Jesus responds again. Very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, what does Jesus say here? I am. What was God's name in Genesis? I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the grounds of the temple. Jesus just made the greatest proclamation. He says, I'll tell you my name. I am. That means he always was, that he is, and he always will be. He's God in the flesh. He is our creator. He is the one who died for us because he loved us. He's the only one that can make atonement for our sin. And he's the only one that can give us eternal life when we exercise belief in him. Listen. They picked up stones to stone him, right? I mean, they were going to do this without even a trial. Not that trials meant a lot. Yeah. Uh, just, just to show you how sometimes I, I go brain dead. At night, I'll watch Hogan's Heroes. You remember Hogan's Heroes? You know, it, it, it's a spoof. Uh, it was supposed to be a spoof on how, quote, unquote, dumb the Nazis really were when they thought they were so bright. And... Um, uh, Clink, yeah, uh, Colonel Clink, who was the head of the, the prison camp. Uh, by the way, the name is not a mistake. You know, Clink is a uh, slang for what? Jail, right? Throw him in the clink, right? So Colonel Clink got in trouble uh, with his general, and the general comes in and says, Clink, you're going to be court-martialed and shot. The court-martials the trial, but there's no verdict here. We know it already. You're going to be shot. 
And sadly, that's what they did sometimes, correct? Sadly, that seems to be what we do sometimes. By the way, um, if you ever want to do an interesting study, uh, the, the character who played uh, Colonel um, General Ber Burkhalter and um, the other guy, the little guy who played uh, Hochstetter, um, they were both in prison camps. They're Jews. They were both in Nazi prison camps. And the only way they would take on the roles is, is if the producers guaranteed to make the Germans look like fools. They picked up stones to stone Jesus, but he slipped away. Listen, part of uh, the original sin that we all battle is arrogance, pride, hunger for power, and that prevents us from seeing and hearing and reading the truth of who God is. As long as we do things, and we've all been guilty of it, as, as long as we do things that go against God's word, then we have to ask ourselves why. Why are we doing it? Is it because of our arrogance? Are we being childlike? Are we saying we don't trust God, that he knows what's best for us? Are we saying I know better than God? I mean, it could be a million reasons, but the bottom line is they're all wrong. Second, if we reject Jesus, we reject the Father. There is no other way to be right with the Father except through Christ. Remember I quoted from the encounter with Thomas where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when you hear our culture say, if they even say it anymore, that you know, Christianity is so exclusive. It's not inclusive. I hate that word. But exclusive. My response is, is this. That God, for, for God so loved the world, he sent the son that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. But what that means is we got to come on his terms. Not our terms. And his terms is that we admit our pride, our arrogance, our foolishness, our sin, repent of it, and put our trust in him. I can't tell you how many inconsistencies, and, we, and we've all been inconsistent, I've, I've seen over the years, not only in my life, but in the lives of others. Um, one, of, one of the hardest things I have recommended people to do work, people who were professing Christians, to other people, and they would call, and some of them would never show up. And it's like, you know, listen, it's work. You know, are you reflecting Christ in your work? And some, some will tell me, well, pastor, work is work, and church is church. No. <laughs> Whatever you do, are you reflecting Christ in your work? Because I'll tell you what, if we're glorifying Christ in our work, that means we're going to give him the best. If we glorify Christ in our worship, that means we're going to give him the best. If we glorify Christ in our families, that means we're going to give him the best. Not the leftovers. Not secondhand. If we're going to glorify Christ in our finances, we're going to give him the best. Not what's left over. God offers salvation through grace by faith to all who will believe in Christ. There is no other way. So I, I guess I would ask you, uh, as I ask myself as I'm, you know, I prepared this message, we need to do spiritual inventory. We need to look at uh, parts of our lives maybe where we haven't invited Christ to be a part of and say, Lord, you know, I've been ignoring what you've been saying about this part of my life. Help me 
through your word, through your spirit, correct it. I might as well end on this note. <laughs> Being a disciple means to be a learner. Disciples are lifelong learners of who? Of Jesus Christ. It also means that being a disciple means that there are sacrifices that need to be made. Sacrifices that are necessary to glorify God. Sacrifices that are necessary because the word of God tells us that, that they're necessary. You realize the commandment to love your, honor your mother and father has a promise with it, right? That you shall live long days. I remember telling Joey, you want to live to see your next birthday. <laughs> right? And he was a good kid. He, he really never gave us any, any trouble. But uh, listen, God knows what's best for us. When we don't listen, without even asking the question, we're saying, Jesus, who do you think you are? And let's be aware of that. Let's be aware of that. I'm going to ask uh, the praise team to come up, please. The other thing I'm glad of in this whole thing is that God is very patient. I'm not sure I'd be patient with myself. But God, God is very patient. But he looks for us to come to him in honesty, in humility, and in repentance to say, Lord, I need to give attention to this area of my life because in this area of my life I have not been living for you. I think that's the challenge for today. Would you stand, please? You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are God alone from before time began. You were on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone. You're unchangeable. You're unshakable. You're unstoppable. That's what you are. You're unchangeable. You're unshakable. You're unstoppable. That's what you are. You're the only God whose power none can contend. You're the only God whose name and praise will never end. You're the only God who's worthy of everything we can give. You are God, that's just the way it is. You are God alone from before time began. You were on your throne. You are God alone, and right now, in the good times and bad, you were on your throne. You are God alone. You're unchangeable, unshakable. You're unstoppable, that's what you are. You're unchangeable, you're unshakable, you're unstoppable, that's what you are. You are God alone, from before time began. 
you were on your throne you are God alone and right now in the good times and bad you were on your throne you are God alone and right now in the good times and bad you are on your throne you are God alone. I'm going to ask you to have a seat. And I'm going to end the service in a little bit of a different way. Bear with me here. It's July, correct? Mm -hmm. I told you we do Christmas in July. I want to take you back to a song that Mark Lowry wrote. And the name of the song is Mary Did You Know. And the reason why I'm taking you back here is because he wrote this song for, for initially for a vacation Bible school where he, uh, he thought of questions that he wanted to ask Mary when he got to heaven. And then he gave the words to Buddy Green, uh, who's a gifted musician, and said, would you write, would you put music to this and make us some money? That was, Mark Lowry's, you know, got a great sense of humor. But this song is tremendous, because at the end, there's a great pro proclamation that Jesus said of himself this morning. So would you turn the volume up, please? <laughs> 